Paul Heyman takes a jab at Christian Cage. AEW Revolution sees record pay-per-view buys. WrestleMania could see 45,000 fans in attendance per night. Andrade's request to be released by WWE is denied. But let's first talk about Miro going after Jim Cornette. Next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble, my name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, let's talk about Miro and Jim Cornette. So in case you guys have not heard, Jim Cornette has reviewed AEW Revolution, including the match between Mero and Kip Sabian against Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. And in his review, he referred to Penelope Ford as, quote, a slutty girlfriend of Kip Sabian, which then triggered Mero to go on Twitter and say the following. If you call Penelope Ford slut again, I'll come Like God's wrath on you, you understand. I'll personally drive to your basement. That has triggered, you know, so many people talking on social media, Ralph. But as we're recording this, Jim Cornette has responded and he has said the following. This will be too good to pass up. Somebody tell noted video game nerd and Popeye villain wannabe Mero that I'm not going to waste this tongue lashing in pieces on Twitter. It will come this Tuesday on the drive through podcast. And it will be glorious. Don't tell Penelope Ford. Ralph, your thoughts. So, first of all, I can't say that I'm shocked that Jim Cornette has found himself entangled in yet again another uh, controversy here based on some of the comments he says. Look, I mean, anybody that listens to Jim Cornette or anybody who actually knows anything about Jim Cornette probably knows that he has a really, really deep history in professional wrestling. He has a very deep Uh, respect for the tradition of what wrestling was when he was a prominent figure in the pro wrestling industry. Now Mm -hmm. you could debate back and forth, whether you still consider him prominent in the industry. Um, But at one point he was considered one of the best managers in pro wrestling. He was considered to be one of the best managers of one of the better teams in pro wrestling, multiple teams. So, and he was one of the guys that was responsible for some of the creative during the attitude era as well. So be that as it may, yes, Jim Cornette has made some comments that find him that finds himself in a situation where now he's defending himself against a ton of fans and Miro and all these things. So here's where I stand on this. I, I think that Jim, with his comments and his reviews, and he's gone on record to say that it's not a shtick, but he's certainly over the top. Like if I were to go watch a comedian you know, on TV from the eighties or nineties, they're going to be over the type top. They're going to say outlandish things uh, just to get attention, to get people to laugh and all of those types of things. The unfortunate thing right now is the generation that we're in. There's just certain things you can't say. And there's certain things that shouldn't be said to begin with, like referring to Penelope Ford as a slut, as he put it, right. Probably isn't something you should be saying to begin with. I think that if Jim were to stick to just the basics of, you know, uh, how he views pro wrestling and he, he were to do his reviews and things of that nature, he'd get a lot more respect from fans and people wouldn't necessarily just kind of tune him out. But when he says things like this, which are obviously offensive, not just to the person that, that he's speaking about, but other people as well, he loses credibility, you know, and that's, that's kind of unfortunate because as I said, he was a very prominent figure within the wrestling industry. So you would think that they, that would be somebody that you can look to um, for guidance and stuff like that, especially Mm -hmm. with the reviews, but he kind of just puts his foot in his mouth when he says things like this, he goes overboard and you know, it's sometimes it's, it's just not warranted. Right. I I totally agree. You know, I'm 
a proponent of the First Amendment and being able to say what you want, but with the caveat as you have to take the responsibilities of what you're going to say. So Jim Cornette here can't just blindly call Penelope Ford Kip Sabian's slutty girlfriend, you know, even if there's nothing really that warrants that. And even if, you know, he believes that's the case because she once dated Joey, uh, Joey Janela, and we know how Jim Cornette and Joey Janela love each other. Maybe that's what it stems from. I've heard, you know, people say that it references a cartoon, whatever the case may be. You just can't say stuff like that. You know, is this going to bring, you know, a court case and defamation of character and stuff like that? No, but there are people that will, you know, show their outcry on social media and whatnot and show how much they, you know, don't like Jim Cornette because of comments like this. And like you pointed out, he loses credibility when he says stuff like this. If he wasn't so outlandish, like... Like I, I mentioned in the review of Revolution, how Max Caster has kind of told that line and sometimes cross it with his raps. You know, it's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to call someone a slutty girlfriend when there's no real evidence of being such thing. And even if there was evidence of it, you don't say stuff like that on a podcast or on television or on the media because you know there's going to be backlash for it. And yeah, I know, and, and you know what, Jim Cornette probably doesn't care. And that's part of the problem too. And that's the thing, like, like Jim, anybody who's followed his career, anybody who's listened to his podcast, whether that's really him or whether he's turning the dial up to a hundred just to get people to listen to him and be over the top, I guess that's up for debate. Right. But you know, it's one thing to call someone a slutty girlfriend. And then it's another thing to call some to like to like poke fun at uh, Joey Janela and call him Jelly Nutella or how he's poking exactly. fun at Nero and calling him, you know, Popeye's sidekick villain or whatever he said and calling mm-hmm. him a video game nerd. OK, well, that's stuff that you most people, I think, will be able to tolerate. And if if you can't, that's where, you know, sometimes I think people get a little too crazy with all the cancel culture stuff. Like some people literally say, oh, well, he's body shaming Joey, Joey Janela. I don't know. I, I mean, I think Jim Jim is just saying it to try and be comedic. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you find that funny, you find it funny. And if you don't, you don't. But when you go and cross that line where now you're making uh, the comments about her sexuality and all those types of things, I think uh, I think that's a, a line that a lot of people would feel like he's crossing there. So, you know, I, I think that Jim does a good job in pointing out flaws, not just in AEW, but other promotions and, and points out where they can get better. And I think that his opinion should be valued to a certain extent. But when he does say things like this, it just hurts his credibility, in my in my opinion. Right. I, I agree. And Not I, that I he th- gives a shit about what I say, because he he has already blocked me on Twitter. For what reason? I don't know. But I, I don't know either. I, I've been trying to figure this out since it happened. But I do want to point out something that Merrill also said on Twitter. And he said people like Jim Cornette bring not only pro wrestling down, but young women and men get abused and name called for 40 views on YouTube. Now, obviously Jim Cornette has thousands upon thousands of views on YouTube, but there's a lot of YouTubers out there that will kind of do what Jim Cornette does just for the sake of, Oh, that's their personality and get views because of it. Would you agree to that extent? And, and like, I get it. Like even in our comment section, people point this out to us. I honestly, I don't think that's us, but 
Do you see like certain YouTubers or podcasters doing that for clicks? Uh, yes, but I don't think they're doing it in the way that Jim Cornette does it. So Jim is obviously the heel. Jim is not supporting supportive of AEW of a good majority of it. He, he very much points out the flaws in it. And mm-hmm. whether you want to say that's a good thing or a bad thing, I guess it kind of depends if you're a fan of AEW, if you're an open-minded fan of AEW, which I consider myself and, um, or if you just want to watch AEW and you don't value his opinion at all, there's going to be all types of different people. And, and based on what you believe or how, how you want to receive the message that he's portraying or other people, it's kind of going to dictate what you're going to watch and how you're going to interpret the message. So mm-hmm. to some that may be a message, okay, well, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, I, I, I get what he's saying. And to other people that may be like, you know, what is he talking about? AW is great. There's no flaws in it. What, and, you know, there are people that will be on either side of it. Um, I do think that there are some, and you know what, to maybe to surprise some people, I really don't pay attention to many, uh, wrestling podcasters that I, I would say that are kind of at the level that we do it, or even, you know, have a lot more subscriptions. I kind of just pay attention to like, you know, Conrad and, um, Bischoff show, the Kurt Angle show. I listen to some of Meltzer's stuff, but I don't, I don't really listen to other podcasters show just because I like, I know what my opinion is. I express it here and, you know, I, I don't let other people try to, uh, influence my opinion, but there mm-hmm. certainly are people that, go over the top just to get clicks and subscription thing and things like that. But if it works, maybe a one certain DJ could fall into that. Category. Oh God, don't bring his name up. That guy. No, just, we just shall absolutely. not mention. No, no. And I'm sure there might be like one person that knows who this guy is because he thinks he has all these followers. He really doesn't. He's got like maybe 10 at most, but we're not here to, you know, compare followers and subscription numbers and whatnot. We're here to talk about wrestling. And let's talk about if, Paul Heyman. Have, have you watched Talking Smack, Ralph? He was talking about Edge and Roman Reigns and their road to WrestleMania. And he said something very interesting regarding Christian Cage. Here's what he said. He's telling Edge, I want you to think about this. Your best friend in this world knew he was going to become Roman Reigns' target just to get into your head. And what did he do? He ran away before Roman Reigns could target him. How many of your Christians need to convert before you realize it's not smart to piss off Roman Reigns? What are your thoughts on this slight little jab at Christian Cage? I love it. It's good. It makes for good TV. It makes good for it makes for good drama. It makes for good storytelling, especially for the longtime fans, because you know Edge and Christian certainly have a really long history, both working together, feuding together. They're best friends. They've came up in the industry together. Paul Heyman did a really good job at speaking to those really hardcore fans that are going to get this. And I think mm-hmm. a good majority of fans are going to get it, even if you're mostly a casual. Mm-hmm. Um even if you don't want to, even if you're a fan who doesn't pay attention to AEW, I think that most people by now know that Christian has now gone to AEW. So right. I think that that subtle little thing fits in nicely with the story that they're telling here. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I know sometimes there's some back and forth between uh, AEW and WWE, um, you know, and, and I think a good majority of it the past let's say year has been mostly AEW taking subtle jabs at WWE. 
Mm-hmm. I don't even think this is a jab necessarily at AEW as a whole. It's just a jab at Christians because it makes sense for the story. So, right. I thought it was fine. I didn't, I really didn't take issue with it. I think it makes, it makes sense for him to say that in the context that he said it. Right. I think it makes perfect sense because of the story that's told on SmackDown right now was originally Fastlane was supposed to be a tag team match with Roman and Jay Uso and Edge and, and Cannon, Daniel Bryan. But it makes you think, obviously, Edge and, and Christian were supposed to be the tag team for Fastlane to set up the match at WrestleMania. And because Christian is gone, he went to AEW, they created this whole new storyline. So it makes you wonder, you know, where was Christian going to be involved in this storyline with Roman Reigns after Fastlane or Jay Uso? Yeah, it, it, it's definitely interesting. And I know you put the tweet out, which I was going to respond to, and I responded with a simple thumbs down emoji. So <laughs> you are you believe this is going to lead to a fatal four way at WrestleMania. Is that right? Are you it, are it you, could are be. you think it could be? And what are your thoughts on that? I know there was one person that responded. Do you think that devalues Edge winning the Royal Rumble? And I respond with it happened with The Rock and it happened with Chris Benoit. So did that really devalue their Royal Rumble wins when they won their Royal Rumbles? No, I don't think so. But I think right now, Daniel Bryan once again has taken this time between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania to to get over to a point where Vince has to force his hand and put Daniel Bryan in the main event. And Jey Uso, the credit, like he does not get enough credit, I don't think, in his involvement in this storyline. And I think people... He hasn't the whole year. No. Like, he really is an integral part of Roman Reigns' character and the story where eventually Jay Uso is going to get sick of it or realize they don't treat him like a member of the family. He's just a henchman. And he's going to turn yeah. on Roman. So I think you do that. Starting at WrestleMania, where let's say Jay Uso takes the pin from, from Brian or Edge... And then Roman has to chase again because he never lost. All right. So there's two things. I'll start with the match itself. So this is why I I, I don't think a fatal four-way or a triple threat devalues Edge's win at, at Royal Rumble because he won. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's engraved in history. They can't right. take that away from him. Where I hop off the bus is at this point where if it's going to be a triple threat, okay, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, Edge... I. I guess I, I'd be fine with that, especially considering Dan O'Brien, again, as you pointed out, has gotten himself over to the point where he may have to be added to this match. Mm-hmm. Um, where I have an issue with it is Roman Reigns has been built up to be this, this top guy, not just in WWE, but in the industry. Um, nobody has been able to beat him. Nobody's been able to touch him on SmackDown because he's doing such a good job. And you would think that at a place like WrestleMania... Those are the moments you either build somebody up to either drop the title to somebody like a Daniel Bryan or Edge or for him to continue his path of whatever he's going down, however far he takes this championship title run. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try and make a, have a situation where it's a fatal four-way and, okay, Jey Uso's in the match and he's going to get pinned, so then technically you have a way to protect Roman, yeah, it works. But I don't think that stuff should be done at WrestleMania because I think that de- delegitimizes the match itself and the win for whoever it is. So if 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 the point of the match is, and I think we can probably agree on this, if the point of the match is for Edge ultimately to get that 
that comeback, that feel good comeback story. Mm-hmm. Or for Daniel Bryan to get that feel good comeback story for that underdog story that we're mm-hmm. seeing with him. I think either one of them have to pin Roman Reigns, whether it's in a triple tr- triple threat or just straight up one on one match. And having them pin Jay Uso, I think you lose a little bit of credibility. And that hurts those guys right from the get go going into their their into their title run, especially if it's Edge, because Edge has this big comeback story from all these years that I mean, he came back last year, he got hurt. Now he's in the main event. So I don't think they should go the fatal four way. I don't think Jey Uso should be in the match. I think that Jey Uso probably deserves a, a pretty big match at WrestleMania. But I don't want them to go down the path where, okay, well, Jey Uso is going to take the pin because we want to protect Roman. You build Roman up just for this point. So, so you know, assuming he's going to drop the title, it means more to that person that he's dropping the title to. And no. the other point I was going to make really quick, uh, as far as uh, Talking Smack or, or Raw Talk, whatever those shows are called, Again, every year you have these 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 guys or girls that come from out of nowhere right around the, the right around a couple of weeks or a month out from WrestleMania where they just catch fire. Something is said, something is done, and WWE has had to adjust their plans many times to cater to that. Um, Peyton Royce, I don't know what they're going to do, but right now I know that she's gotten a lot of attention, and I do know that a lot of people always push back with Charlotte's putting that that title picture and maybe rightfully so because she does get a lot of opportunities i don't know what's going to happen with rhea ripley so that'll be interesting because right now it seems like peyton royce could be one of those people that ends up getting a little momentum going into wrestlemania especially after that promo she cut and as you mentioned before uh daniel bryan has certainly found himself in that position again as well now if you're christian you know Say this is supposed to like Daniel Bryan is taking the role of Christian where he was supposed to be, and it ends up Daniel Bryan is in the main event of WrestleMania. Do you think Christian kicks himself because he could have main evented WrestleMania had he signed with WWE? Or is WWE thinking, you know what, Christian is not the main event guy, and that's why he didn't re-sign with WWE and he went to AEW because he feels he can be the main event in AEW. You know. This is one of those weird situations, like one of those big what ifs. I don't, if Christian decided to stick around, I don't think that he was going to be in the main event of WrestleMania. I say that based on a couple of things. One, um, Daniel Bryan, you could could go back and forth and kind of debate who the bigger star was or who the more prominent name is. I'd imagine right now the more relevant name is Daniel Bryan. Christian is Mm -hmm. a guy that was big during the Attitude Era. He had a good run in TNA, and everybody knows him as Edge's best friend, and he, he's very good. But if if given the opportunity, I think Vince would say, okay, well, Daniel Bryan is very relevant. I'm going to put him in the main event. Christian might have had the match at Fastlane, the tag match, but I don't see him main eventing WrestleMania mm-hmm. with, Chris, uh, with Edge. Right. The other thing I got to imagine is some conversations had to have been had with WWE, uh, Christian probably going to them and saying, well, you know, maybe I have an offer from AEW, but you know, what do you guys plan to do with me? Like, what, what, what do you see for me long run? And they may have told him a couple of matches here and there, but we we're really not going to use you mm-hmm. all that much. And certainly not for the main event at WrestleMania. And as we've seen already with him going to AEW, it seems like he's certainly going to be a guy that's going to be at least in the main event picture. If you take what you saw at a uh, dynamite last week for at face value, right? Now, speaking of Christian and how he appeared at AEW, he did appear at AEW Revolution. 
A lot of intrigue going into the show with the barbed wire match, with who was going to be the big signing ending up being Christian, Sting's first match. How did this relate to pay-per-view buys? And it seems like really good. According to Dave Meltzer at Wrestling Observer Newsletter, they set records of pay-per-view buys, Ralph. Close to $7 million, up 50% on BR Live, up 20 to 40% on international pay-per-view buys. And it was the most pay-per-view buys, non-WWE, since 1999. Your thoughts? It's good for AEW. It's good for AEW. It's good for wrestling fans in general because it shows that people are certainly intrigued. Um, the thing that's really going to tell the story of this is what do they do with the next pay-per-view? Because, you know, there there was some good from this pay-per-view. I think, obviously, the match with Sting and the cinematic match, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people found uh, entertaining. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the dud with the the, the, the blowing up of the, <laughs> the ring, which didn't didn't happen. You know, how do fans look at that? Are they are they going to come back? Did they like what they saw? If if the viewership of Dynamite this past week was any indication, certainly there were some people who saw that and didn't decide to tune in. Um, how many people tuned in just to see who the big reveal was, if they mm-hmm. thought it was going to be Punk or Lesnar, because a lot of people felt that could have been who it was realistically. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's great numbers and good for them. How do they capitalize? Like, where is it going to go from here? So. I think that Tony Khan and AEW should be very proud of the, the fact that they, they, they were able to go and do this because outside of WWE for so long, there has not been, um, you know, a, a credible company to come along and spark some interest. And whether it was him talking about this mystery signee, who, the, the person, the ladder match, the barbed wire, whatever it was, obviously it worked. And if you're a promoter, your main goal is get people to watch your program and to get people to buy merchandise and to buy pay-per-views. And they did that here. So good for them. Yeah, I agree. And obviously the intrigue is what sold the pay-per-view. I think a lot of people were interested in Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in the exploding barbed wire death match and seeing how this would come about, seeing that a lot of people probably don't know what that match was, you know, not watching the old matches from Japan. And, you know, the Sting cinematic match, I think, you know, seeing Sting for the first time since 2015 and at age 61, 62, how could he adapt to this? Uh, and, and of course, Christian Cage showing up, did that bring in fans? I know the ratings this week did not bode well for them, but they had some tough competition with the Mass Singer and South Park. And no, I'm not saying that as an excuse. That's just the nature of the business. You know, some people would rather watch South Park or the Mass Singer than professional wrestling. So, Uh, but can they bounce back from this? And that is the question. Can they go double or nothing at double or nothing with these pay-per-view buys? Can they increase that intrigue? And, you know, we see the record buys with AEW here. Kenny Omega was in the main event. There's always this argument whether or not he is a draw. Can you use this as some data to further that point that Kenny Omega is a draw? You can, uh, you can to a certain extent, but again, there was so much there on this pay-per-view. I, I think one of the things with AEW is there's a lot of uh, intrigue that gets built up and a lot of anticipation because they don't have a pay-per-view every single month. You know, scarcity kind of works in their favor here where you have four months to build up to these pay-per-views and people get excited for it mm-hmm. and they decide to buy it. Now, 
Can you say that Kenny Omega is a draw? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he was in the main event, so you can say that he had to have played a role in that. Um, but how much of that intrigue was for that mystery person? I think that the biggest thing that people were talking about going into the pay-per-view probably was who that person was going to be and who that is that was going to sign. Who was mm-hmm. that person that was going to go from WWE or whatever company to AEW? I think that that was probably the biggest talking point going into the pay-per-view. And then obviously there was some stuff going on like the barbed wire match, the cinematic match, Sting, uh, the other ladder match, the ladder match with the mystery opponent. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think people talked about most was who's the guy that's signing. Is it punk? Is it Lesnar? Is it Mark Henry? Is it Christian? Is it Kurt angle? Kurt angle, obviously teased it on Twitter. So, um, but do you think people, at least in the United States would buy, would pay $50 just to see who the signing was when they know the next day they could find it. Or even on social media, they could just go to Twitter. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it was everything, but that may have been the tipping point for some people. Like some people True. may have been on the fence and said, "You know what? It looks like a good pay per view, but you know, I, same thing. You, I, I can just watch the highlights tomorrow. I can watch it the next day, or whatever the case may be." But then when that was announced, it may have been okay. Well, I got to see it, especially because all of the rumors that people were seeing were, you know, the names that were getting thrown around were Park, Punk and Lesnar, I think were the two biggest names mm-hmm. that people were, were thinking. Um, I saw people even talk about, uh, well, is it Cena? And whether it was Cena or whether it was Christian, or who, no matter who it was, it's that level of intrigue to get people to go from, I might buy this to, I am going to buy this to see who it is. Because if that ended up being Lesnar or Punk, that's a moment that would have been huge for the industry. And you would like to be a part of that. You know, that's, right. that's, that's a big thing. That's a big thing with this too. Mm-hmm. Feeling like you're a part of history. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the next pay-per-view is going to be very telling because I'd imagine Kenny Omega is still going to be champion by that time. And I'd imagine he is going to make an event. Can they do similar numbers when you don't have that mystery person and sting and all of those things? So it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't think that we can sit here and say 100% Kenny Omega is the reason that the numbers were so great, but he absolutely played a role in it and a part in it. Now, here's the question. We talked about Christian earlier. We talked about, you know, Kenny Omega as the draw. We see what happened on Dynamite this past week. Do you think Double or Nothing is setting up where Eddie Kingston is challenging Omega or Christian is challenging Omega? And if you were Tony Khan, who would you have facing Omega at double or nothing. Well, if I'm the, the booker and the promoter, I'm going with the name that is more prominent to wrestling fans, whether that's hardcore fans or casual fans. And that is Christian. Christian is a bigger name than any Kingston, even at this level, even at his age. I think most people would probably agree with that. He wrestled during the biggest era of professional wrestling ever with the most people watching ever. So um, if he's going to try to sell pay-per-views, he's probably going to go with Christian. I think where they are going to go with this is it seems like Moxley and Eddie Kingston are probably going to challenge the good brothers. I would think, um, Moxley, I can't see Moxley still being involved in the title picture, even though he, he never technically lost clean to Kenny Omega, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how much intrigue is still there to see these guys go at it. I mean, some fans might be still into that. Uh, eventually Eddie Kingston should get there and will get there, but I still think they need to build him up, especially considering a lot of it. And you know, his promo did a lot to cover himself, but at the same time, at the end of the pay-per-view, 
a lot of people are kind of making jokes about how how silly he looked mm-hmm. uh, passing out in the middle of the ring. And he, right. I know he went on and said it was in, his anxiety and did the best he could cover it up. But at the same time, you got to you got to take that into consideration, too. Right. I, I will. I think where the the road is going, Kingston will get a title shot eventually, maybe on a special episode of Dynamite. And Christian will be the guy at double or nothing. Uh, obviously, like you said, Christian's the bigger name, the more recognizable name, and that's going to draw in more people. And, you know, as we just mentioned, you know, what could happen if Christian stayed in WWE? Would he be a part of the main event picture of WrestleMania? And speaking of WrestleMania, speaking of talking about history making and whatnot, two nights this year at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida, Wrestling Inc. is reporting that WWE is looking to have 45,000 fans each night for yep. WrestleMania. Now, obviously, some people are saying that's not a good idea. That's going to start a super spreader. Some people are like, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm excited for this. It's definitely going to be history in the making, regardless of what happens, Ralph. So, yeah, I, I mean... This probably is going to end up being a political debate amongst people, whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. I think that, well, first of all, this is just a rumor at this point. Isn't that right? Right. But tickets go on sale on Tuesday. So So we'll we'll have a a good picture of what this is going to look like. So uh, the Super Bowl, which was roughly what? That was about uh, a little over a a month, uh, about two months ago. That was in February. So a little over a month ago. Well, more than a month ago, it was, it was about, let's say a month and a half, right? It was about a month month and a half ago. We were certainly in a much worse situation then as far as the amount of people that were getting COVID uh, vaccine wise, wasn't not as much rolled out. Um, I think 25,000 people did attend the Super Bowl. Now, granted, I think those were all frontline workers or medical workers that were vaccinated. So you have to take that consideration. 7,000. So a third of them were frontline workers. Okay. So there were some fans there. Now you're talking about essentially close to doubling that. We are in a better situation, I'd imagine, if you looked at the numbers for Florida. I mean, look, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it, whether it's Vince McMahon, whether it's the UFC, whether it's AEW. The Texas Rangers. Whoever. This This is what I would say about this. You're giving people a choice to go. Nobody's forcing them to go. Nobody's saying you have to agree with the decision of a business to 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 have fans there. If you can try to do it as safe as possible and you can follow all of the guidelines. I mean, look, Dynamite at Daly's Place on a weekly basis, they say, oh, we're doing all of the stuff. We're checking people and all those things and people are wearing masks. Yeah, they're wearing masks, but many times you watch the show and you can certainly see people who are pulling their masks down and exposing it. I mean... It's 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 really up to the individuals to be responsible when they mm-hmm. go. And if people choose to go, that's on them. Just be smart about it. Be as safe as you possibly can. But, you know, these businesses, whether it's WWE, UFC, whoever, even though they've done well for themselves during this pandemic, they do have uh, a responsibility to, to try and, and, and get a little bit back to normal. And it, it, look, if the state allows it, how can you wrong them for doing it? Florida says, yeah, you can have 50,000 mm-hmm. fans. If you can have 100,000 fans and WWE wants to move forward and do that, that's on them. I mean, I mean, in, in Texas, for example, they said, 
you know, no mask mandate. Well, other businesses like Target and other businesses said we you still need to wear a mask when you're coming into the into into the store. Right. So, you know, I, I think that given where we are with vaccinations and numbers and things like that, it, it's going to happen either way. Um, and someone's going to be first. So if right. WWE ends up being first and the state allows it. I, I guess that's that's fine. Just be right. smart about it. Right. And, and, you know, like you mentioned, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl happened, a, a, we'll say a month and a half ago. And it seems like the numbers are still going down. And that would have been yeah. a huge super spreader event, especially when the Buccaneers, the home team, won the Super Bowl. And you saw people in these riots and some people were masked, some people weren't. And yet there really wasn't a spike in cases. At least there wasn't one reported. So... At least something is working with the vaccines or the masks or something is working or just maybe it's just like other, you know, seasons with viruses that, you know, they start at one point and they end at, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a virus guy. I'm I'm not an epidemiologist. Thank you. I'm not an epidemiologist. Right. I'm a television guy. That's what I am. So when, when I see stuff like this, you know, it gives me, it gives me optimism. It gives me yeah. optimism to say that, you know what, we're we're heading at the other side of this. We're finally getting to a quote unquote normalcy. You know, if WrestleMania goes with 45,000 people per night without any spike in 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 cases, and this is in Florida, Jacksonville's in Florida, is it not? It is. And AEW has been increasing their ticket sales as well. Right. And and Revolution had roughly, I think it was between 20 and 30 percent capacity. And obviously, Daly's place is much smaller than Raymond James Stadium. I think yes. the capacity is 5,000, maybe 6,000. I, I forget the exact number. But WrestleMania is the f- second week of April. Double or nothing is the last week of May. So if they see what happens at WrestleMania without any issues, do we see full capacity at double or nothing? I don't think we're going to see full capacity, but I think it, realistically, maybe. Mm, 50 or more, 50%, 50% capacity, probably more. Okay. I imagine at that point, look, there, like I said, there, there, we're certainly getting closer to that. Whatever the normalcy is going to come at the end of this pandemic, that that's what we're getting closer to with vaccinations and all of those things. Mm-hmm. We're only going to get closer to that. I'd imagine just based on the information that's been provided by, by, you know, the, the doctors and the numbers and all of those things. So um, by that point, I, d- I don't know if we're going to be at a hundred percent, but I would say right now, based on the information, 50, 60, maybe, well, and that's just a guess. I so. took it to a poll and the leading percentage range was 40 to 60% yeah, for double or I'd nothing. Imagine that's about right. And I mean, it all depends. You know, we have, we have sporting arenas that are slowly increasing their fan, uh, their attendance and WrestleMania, obviously going from zero to 45,000 and you know, we'll see how it goes, but I, I want to be optimistic um, and hope that this, everyone could do do it safely and everyone can enjoy themselves at Raymond James stadium, whether you're going for one night or both nights. I think this is really going to be a huge indicator because there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this, on this show. I mean, granted there was 90 million that were watching the super bowl and Nowhere close to that for WrestleMania, but still enough where people could be like, 
all right, 45,000, no spikes. We can, we can slowly bring this back. And AEW, I know Tony Khan is going to be watching WrestleMania, not just because he's a wrestling fan, but if WWE does it, AEW doesn't feel like they have to be the first anymore. And they were actually the first bringing fans back and slowly bringing them back. So if they see WrestleMania, you know, do this at 45,000, who's to say they can't do it at 4,000? And I just saw I just saw an interview with with Dana White yesterday. Again, he he reiterated when if he could go to Texas and sell out, he will do it. So somebody's going to be first. Yeah. Whether it's Vince, whether it's Tony, whether it's Dana, somebody's going to be first. And that will essentially be uh, the indicator for everybody else. Okay, well, now that they've done it, we can move forward with it, too. Right. And the Texas Rangers have already announced, I believe, that they are going to have full attendance at their new stadium. So they're going to be the first, it seems like. But yeah, one person that's not going to be part of WrestleMania, at least it seems like it, is Andrade. Last week, he asked for his release from WWE and was denied. He has removed all WWE mentions on his Twitter account. And people are starting to speculate whether or not this is the end for Andrade. And obviously talking about how misused he was, a waste of talent in WWE. Do you think we've seen the end of Andrade in WWE? Uh, I'm going to say yes, only because of what we've seen in the past with other guys. Um, There's certainly been guys that have been talented or highlighted, uh, been, been higher on the roster, but higher on the card in more prominent roles than he has been. I mean, considering mm-hmm. he hasn't even been on TV and I, I, it's probably been like six, eight months. I don't know. October. Yeah. So it's pretty close. Um, and, and WWE has let those guys walk. And, and right now, yes, I know they said, no, we're not going to give you a release. And I don't expect them to give them his release anytime soon. Given that right now, you know, obviously it's not like he's going to go to, to TNA or something. I'd imagine he'd be welcomed with open arms at AEW because mm-hmm. he is very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think this is the end. I, I don't think that they're going to find any way to course correct here. They didn't do it with FTR. They didn't do it with Miro. They didn't do it with a lot of other people in the past. Right. They, they haven't done it with some of their biggest stars. They let they let Stone Cold essentially walk back in the day. And he was the biggest in, star in the industry. So, you know, I, I don't think they're going to give him his release. And it may get long, uh, be a long, drawn-out process, but I don't see WWE saying, you know what, we're going to work with you, we'll put you back on TV, we'll give you a, a prominent role. I, I don't see that for him. I don't see that for Aleister Black. I think those are probably the two guys that people talk about most. Yep. If anybody, maybe Keith Lee, they, they try to course correct with, but not, not Andrade, I don't think. Right, and you bring up Aleister Black, too, and the common ground between Aleister Black and Andrade is Zelina Vega, who was already released. So, yeah. and it seems like Vince McMahon has his mindset on somebody and if they don't fit that mold, he won't use them. Right. And that's kind of what Luke Harper or Luke Harper, Brody Lee talked about when he talked about leaving WWE, where he saw him doing this Southern accent and Brody could not do a Southern accent because he's from Rochester, New York. Yeah. And Vince never really booked him the way he was supposed to be booked. And maybe that's what it is with Andrade. He sees Andrade as a mid-carter guy or a tag team guy with Angel Garza, but needs someone like Zelina as his manager. But now that you release Zelina for whatever reason, obviously the third party stuff is the the thing that people think um, would assume it is. Um, Andrade has been, you know, taken off TV basically since that happened. 
Yeah. And, I, and it's even like there's been reports that Charlotte even pitched an idea like, let me work with him. Let me be on TV with him. Let me be his mouthpiece. Why not go with that? Like, just, you know, use Charlotte's name and power. And yeah, people are going to hate him, but at least he's on TV. Yeah. And granted, there are only so many spots for guys in WWE, like to, to actually try and promote them because. WWE has done some good stuff over the course of the last, let's say, six months, right? Mm -hmm. Cesaro's in a better position. Apollo Cruz is in a better position. Biggie's in a better position. Jey Uso, Roman, Drew, Shame. Like, you can go down the list. They have done some good things. And there is mm -hmm. only so much time to a lot for these guys. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't convince me that somebody like... And I'm not saying he's a main eventer, and I'm not saying he's the next big thing in wrestling like Meltzer would suggest, but a guy like Ricochet, mm -hmm. Aleister Black, um, Keith Lee, um, Andrade, you can't convince me that there's nothing for those guys. Like, they're right. all talented in the ring. They don't have to be main eventers. They don't have to be in the world title picture. But they, they, they can do something. They can be utilized better than, yeah, we got nothing for you. You're off TV. They're all great in the ring. And they could all speak to that style or work a style that is a little more complimenting that, that I think a lot of like the AW fans who don't watch WWE, they would probably watch those guys because they're going to work a style that mm -hmm. they, they'd like, which is very different than what you're going to see from like a Drew McIntyre, or Randy Orton, et cetera. Right. And they're not getting used for what reason? I don't know, but you can't convince me there's nothing for those guys at all. I agree. And, and that's the thing. And I think a lot of it could be done if, and I know people don't like makeshift tag teams, but if Vince just put some attention to the tag team division and make, you know, Angel Garza and Andrade a tag team, put Ricochet and Aleister Black back together as a tag team. Yeah. And, you know, because listen, especially with Raw, their third, like three hours is way too long, but you could fill one of those three hours with tag team wrestling. It, it's not that hard, you know, but yep. for some reason... Vince feels that tag team wrestling does not draw in ratings or people get confused with who's in the ring or whatnot, and it doesn't work. And that's why tag teams just don't get pushed unless you're the New Day, the Street Profits, or the Usos. And 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 that's the thing. Like, they did this storyline with Ricochet trying to get, trying to get him recruited to the Hurt Business, right? Right. What, what, would it have what would it have hurt, no pun intended, to just put him in the group? At least then he's on mm -hmm. TV. At least then mm -hmm. he's able to get some attention and people could see that he's being utilized. Because again, the Hurt Business right now, especially with Bobby Lashley winning the championship, they've been one of the better things to come out of WWE in a, in a long right. time. So again, it, it it stinks because as much good as WWE has done to course correct and ensure that you know we're putting different guys on top and we got new champions and we're putting different guys in different roles to look good, you know... How do you guys, how do, how do they have people that talented doing nothing? That's right. just a waste to me. I don't get that. Right. Now, if Andrade does eventually get released or they let his contract run out, does he sign with a American promotion like AEW or TNA or Impact, Ring of Honor, or do you think he goes back to Mexico? I think that AEW would make a really, really um, aggressive push to try and get him. I don't see why they wouldn't. I, I don't know where he'd choose to go, but mm -hmm. I don't I don't I I could see AEW definitely trying to take a take a grab at him. If, I don't see why not. If he signs elsewhere, does Zelina Vega follow suit? Or obviously Zelina Vega is already a free agent, but if she signs somewhere, does Andrade follow her? 
No, I don't. I don't know if they'd follow each other either way. I mean, yeah, they were good together, but at the same time, I don't think they necessarily need each other to be successful. Right. Right. I mean, it, it's it's interesting to see what happens here, but only time will tell if Andrade will leave WWE or they find something for him in creative. But let us know in the comments what you think of Miro, what you think of Paul Heyman, what you think of WrestleMania, AEW Revolution. And this whole situation with Andrade. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPB Podcast. Subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psychobabble.